I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Celtics fans, if you're watching live, good afternoon, good evening, good night. As usual, I'm your boy Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will Weah. What's cracking, dude? What's poppin', Adam? We are, if you're listening to this right now, uh, we're just over 24 hours away. And if you're listening to this in the podcast form, tonight we tip off the NBA Finals. We made it, Adam. We freaking made it. Please repeat that, but do Bostonian. Tonight we tip off, not at the Garden, but at the Chase Center. It's going down. Celtics Warriors. <laughs> we need to do this segment every time. It pops me up, man. Uh, before we get into it, I've been like, saying, I, like, like I told you last time, it, that was really hard to do without dropping in any type of expletives or curses. So <laughs> it was. It will next time we'll we'll prep it a little bit more because I need to like maybe do a script or something yeah, to make sure. sure. Like we're live right now. There's no editing, so I, got, I had to make sure I got that right. In the god. Right, I've been saying I'm going to do this for a while, so I'm going to start it today. Usually I do this at the end of the show. I'm going to do it at the beginning so we catch everybody that's listening, watching live. For a long time, we've always said, oh, I leave a review, write something nice about it. I'll still do all of that, but it means more if you share the show. You know, just tweet about, like, take the link, pull it out in a tweet and tag us, throw it on your IG stories, post it in Reddit. Like, we're meant to promote this stuff when you when you do it it makes things like just look so much more authentic like you're really enjoying the show so please go ahead and do that help support us help us grow we're seeing great growth at the moment we're at the finals baby we want to grow more Let's i want twenty-five downloads an episode starting today anyway we're about to do a mailbag mailbag episode if you're watching live you can feel free to go ahead and throw your comments in and we will answer them on the fly if you're watching on twitter and you can't do that head over to my youtube channel hit subscribe while you're there and then comment that way why not i win you win we all win guess who else is gonna win the celtics that's right will i know you've got the questions from twitter up i've got them up on from ig so why don't you go ahead choose your first question and we can dive straight into this bag of mail all right, let's get it going. This first one here is from Soze, Kaiser Soze. Do you think the Warriors will slash should overlap a lot of Looney and Draymond minutes? Maybe that gives an advantage to Boston letting Horford Williams do their thing. But if they don't, won't Boston have an advantage in size and boards? Adam, I know before we came on, you mentioned that that you earlier today were on a, a Warriors podcast and had some some insights talking about Draymond Green in the series. So I'm going to defer to you to start this one, and then we'll, we'll kind of bat it back and forth a little bit. Yeah, so the information I got told, and I will admit, like, you know, this year I've been adjusting to, do, to covering the team full time. So I have watched less basketball non-celtics basketball than in previous years and obviously that means that certain times schemes have changed and whatnot but from the information i've been provided from somebody that has watched every warriors game at least twice draymond green gets used in a similar role to what robert williams does you know that free safety that rover role so someone that can cause mayhem defensively that's going to rotate over and just help out where needed protect the rim so i think that 
having Looney and Draymond minutes together makes sense in a way because you're matching up with Boston's double big, right? You're going to have Looney dealing with Horford. You're going to, or Looney might take on Rob. Then you're going to have Draymond dealing with Horford, but in a Rover role. So I think that you're going to see them match minutes a little bit. But again, the Warriors lack size off the bench. So they're going to need to stagger those two. Because if you don't, that bench unit's going to cause problems, like for real, because the lack of size is something that, to me, would be concerning from a Warriors perspective. I'm not saying, but the problem is the Warriors are just so skilled that they don't really need to worry about size like the way most teams do. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, I expect them to kind of blend minutes, maybe start together, finish together, and then stagger throughout the, the game is kind of what I'm expecting to see. Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's really interesting with the way this is set up. I think a lot of it kind of depends on Rob Williams' health, right? Because that's one of the major question marks for me in this series. And so when I think of Draymond and Looney playing together, I think they kind of have to a lot of the times if you're going to have a healthy Rob Williams and Al Horford out there, it, it's going to be almost a necessity for them to have them out there. Now, I think with Rob's health, I'll be honest, I'm very concerned that there's opportunities for the Warriors to, if it's the same Rob Williams that we saw in Game 7, who couldn't really move, who couldn't contest and then get back into a play, certainly doesn't have the double jump that he that he used to have, that quick second jump, which is maybe one of the quickest in the league. We haven't seen that all playoffs. You know, I think with the way that the Warriors play, there is opportunity that if he's not anywhere close to the Rob Williams that that we know that was all defense they might be able to play him off the court especially with the way their offense works and how they can kind of you know get Curry and Jordan Poole going downhill who can decelerate and accelerate better than almost any of the any guards in this league that could be a real problem for someone with limited range however if Rob is able to play at even an adequate level I do think it's going to force the Warriors to have that double big lineup and I think the biggest part for me then is you're making them play Kevon Looney on your terms like Darren Green's going to be out there no matter what anyways right but if you have the double bigs you're making them utilize Kevon Looney who's a good player when you want him to be out there if you're using Horford as your main big and then you have kind of Tyson and Williams I don't think the Warriors are really going to care what the lineup is they're going to feel free to go small they're going to you know feel free to play Looney when they want and here's the thing Offensive rebounds last last series were really difficult for the Celtics. They actually lost that battle 76 to 61 in total offensive rebounds to the Miami Heat. On the other side, the Warriors, while playing the Mavs, who don't really have a big that really, you know, that, that they had to worry about, they utilized Looney to go ahead and crash those offensive rebounds. They won that series in five games. They won the offensive rebound battle 49 to 30. So, Adam, with that, I started to think about how important our offensive rebounds in the NBA finals. Like, does it actually, actually matter? Because, you know, part of that heat series, what do we always talk about? Don't turn the ball over. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Those are the two things that we had to worry about and offensive rebounds were a part of it. So bear with me for just a moment here. If we go back in time to the 2016 finals, so starting in 2016 Cavs warriors, when the Cavs come back and win Cavs win that offensive rebound battle, 82 to 72. Next year, the Warriors win that offensive rebound battle, 61 to 58. Still close. 2018, it's a disgrace of a finals. That's that's the year that LeBron plays one of the best games a human being has ever played, and it was just a sweep, and we don't need to get into that one. Let's go to 19 and on because it gets interesting here. The Raptors beat the Warriors in that series. They win the rebound battle, offensive rebound battle, 58-53. The next two years where there's clearly an advantage in height between the Lakers and Heat in 2020, Lakers win that series in six games. They win the offensive rebound battle 70 to 39. 
Last year, very competitive six games. Bucks versus Suns, clearly a height disparity. You know why the Suns went and got JaVale McGee in the offseason. 79 to 42, Bucks win the offensive rebound battle. So back to the point here of are they going to play Draymond and Looney together? I think the goal for the Celtics is making them play Looney when we want them to and not allowing the Warriors to be able to dictate. We want Looney to go in there. And by the way, he's been basically like new age Dennis Rodman the last couple of series with some of you know 20 plus rebound games that he's put out there. And, you know, being able to dictate when Looney's out there by the Celtics instead of having the Warriors dictate to them, I think will be a big part of, of that matchup. So the thing, like, the interesting part is I was having an offensive rebound conversation literally an hour ago. So the fact we've kind of fell into this is, like, it's clear that that's a concern for Celtics fans right now because they have been getting out-rebounded on the glass, especially on their own glass where they're meant to be taking control, you know, and I feel like Golden State are so fast, they're so pesky, they spread you out so much on, like, as a defense, you're going to be guarding so many more perimeter actions than what you're going to be dealing with elsewhere that you are going to be giving up additional offensive rebounds because they're going to take their shot. They're going to crash. Now that obviously is going to generate second chance points. It's going to generate kickout opportunities. And if you're the Warriors and you feel like you could get two, but you've got Steph Curry that looks semi-open, you're going to kick it out and notch that extra point on, or at least take the risk. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the number one priority right now coming into this series is figuring out how to be, like a sturdy perimeter defense without giving up your your structure right because one of the things one of the things that the warriors are really good at is stretching you out to the point where no one can get back in time it's hard to box out it's hard to get in front of guys to rotate over and that's going to be one of the biggest challenges now the thing with looney is looney's ridiculously fast very strong mm-hmm. will bully his way to the rim and as you say if the warriors are dictating when he plays well now they're playing that half a step ahead, you know, and you're trying to catch up and then get that half a step ahead yourself. So you get that point, the power to dictate. And that's going to be a miniature chess battle, chess battle between Kerr and Udoka. And I'm curious to see how it plays out. The only upside for Boston is, as you said, Boston do hold the size advantage. Yeah. And while we're worried about how many offensive rebounds the Celtics give up, we should also be concerned with how many offensive rebounds the Celtics can take. On the offensive end, exactly. you know, outside of Draymond and Looney, there isn't really anybody there. I mean, Kaminga could probably give you some. He's quite long and athletic. Uh, but there isn't really anybody there that's going to dominate their their box area. You know what I mean? You're going to have Rob Williams who's going to feast if healthy. Al Horford's going to do well. Grant Williams is good at crashing the boards, especially those corner, weak side corner crashes that he's got very good at doing for offensive rebounds. So there's going to be pros and cons on both sides yeah. and i think even tyson the series minus matching up with looney i think looney would dominate him from a, from a board's perspective like i think tyson will be able to hang a little bit better in this type of series but once again i think it all hangs on on rob williams health because if he's even you know close to 80 percent or so i think he's a massive differentiator in the series i think if he's you know going to be hobbled and going to be you know potentially ineffective that really evens the playing field and, and i don't even know maybe even tips the scales towards the warriors a little bit but i think with a healthy rob you have to be looking at that as a very favorable matchup for the celtics so we've got cody on here first of all Offensive rebounds equal extra possessions. Extra possessions equal extra points. The closer the game, the more that the battle becomes important. Cody's our guy. He's a friend of the podcast. He's been on this show multiple times. Nothing but love, Mr. Shalafu. 
Then we have Landon Lakes, who's from coming over from the YouTube channel. Yes, sir. What's up, fellas? All right. What, what up? What what's up? up? What's up, man? <laughs> Feel free, man. Post your questions. Landon's on every video we do, every podcast that we do. He's all over it, man. So I uh, appreciate the love and support. It's a very, very humbling when somebody's just constantly checking in with you. Like, I, I like that. We've got John. John Lyle coming from the Celtics. John's always Facebook in here. Page. What up, John? John's always riding with us, man. Al and Rob need to win the post. Grant control Draymond. JB, Smart Marcus, minimize Steph and Clay eruptions. Bring the 26 and 16 nightly and we win 18. Attack the rim and lob to Rob on switches. Make layups and free throws. Whew, like, it sounds so simple. Right, it, I mean, because no, I mean, that's that, that's part of what it is, right? Is take care of the simple stuff, like yeah. Like, and that's like the if, thing, right? what's that? What's that acronym? Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Like yeah. that's all. That's almost like that. That's basically like email should just write that on the board when when they come into the locker room. What's the game plan tonight? Keep it simple, stupid. You see, and this kind of flows into a good question that we got on Instagram. So let me just find it. Okay, it. so we got this from aptly named FCHWPO614. So as we can tell. He's a Jalen Brown fan. Yeah. Follows me over on Instagram at Adam Taylor NBA. Do you think Brown will be more turnover heavy this series? And the same thing applies to Tatum. So again, keep it simple, stupid. So one of the things I wrote on a roundtable for Celtics blog, I think that came out earlier today on um, day is it Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We've recorded a day late so we can post this on the dead finals. Was the biggest? Well, who was the biggest? Who's one of the biggest X factors, or who's the biggest X factor coming into this series? And for me, like a lot of people are saying, it's Marcus Smart, and I get it because Smart and Curry, and I'm sure we're going to touch on that at some point. But that's not really an X factor to me, you know what I mean? Because you're expecting that an X factor is something that comes out of nowhere and like, wow, you know, that's why they ran the X factor for so long and it was so successful. Um, Simon Cowell struck gold. For me, it's Jalen Brown because if you can limit Jalen Brown's on-ball duties, and I've spoke about this to death at this point, you know exactly what I'm going to say by mm-hmm. now, Will. If you can limit his on-ball duties, if you can ask him to be a catch-and-shoot guy, a one-dribble pull-up guy, somebody to catch the ball while on the move, take a dribble, two steps, and finish around the rim, Jalen Brown can get you 30 to 45 points a night. Now, the reason I'm saying this and I'm giving you such high numbers, one, because I think it's true, and true, and two, because when I was speaking to the on that podcast with the Warriors cover, he said something that resonated with me. The one thing the Warriors like to do is exactly what I've been saying the Celtics need to do um, in their last two series. The Warriors like to let the stars get theirs. You know, if you're a star, you can eat. You deserve mm-hmm. it. You're the star. What we're going to do is we're going to muddy the waters for everybody else and we're going to let you eat, but it's going to be from isolations. It's not going to be from ball movement. And that's kind of the way the Warriors defense is set up, right? Like we're going to trust you to be a star and do what stars do and score, but we're not going to let you make everybody else better. So, you know, if they're letting stars score, they might not let Tatum make Derek White better or Grant Williams or Rob or Al, but Jalen's a star too. So they're going to let Jalen eat. And I think if you can limit Jalen having to actually dribble the ball, um, you'll, he, his turnovers are going to be minimal. And then Tatum, if they're not going to pressure him, then he's not his turnovers shouldn't be too bad either. Yeah, and and I mean I think you know number one, this is, gets back to once again what we what we talked about all Miami series. You just don't commit these unforced errors on yourself. 
right? That's that's the part that you have to absolutely limit because this is a good defense, but it's really a good team defense when it comes down to the crux of it. And of course, you know, Draymond Green is going to be the one anchoring that. He's probably the best help defender in, in the entire NBA. You know, he, he makes up for a lot of what, what happens, you know, on the court. So, you know, I think when it comes to to Tatum and JB limiting the the turnovers, which is, you know, that, that was the main question, right? JB and, and, and Tatum limiting the turnovers. You know, you talked about Jalen Brown and, and what he needs to do. And I think with, uh, you know, with, with Jason Tatum, it's, it's very similar as well. You know, just being able to, to move the ball. That, that's the one thing with this offense. When it gets stagnant, it's when they get in trouble. When they hunt a mismatch, which there's nothing wrong in the concept of hunting the mismatch, it's when you start stopping the rest of your offense. When you get the mismatch and you wait to start your offense until there's under 10 seconds on the clock. So now when Jason Tatum dribbles in and there's two or three guys with eyes on him and he has to kick it out, what does that lead to? He typically leads to either a shot the defense wants you to take, which could be an open Derek White shot, or it could be Marcus Smart trying to, you know, we saw the end of the, the last three minutes of that Miami game, you know, or it leads to dribbling, dribbling and driving into traffic. And that's where both of the Jays can get themselves into trouble. So I think if they can keep the ball moving, they'll be fine. But it's it's just not, it's not committing those unforced errors in which they're turning into live ball turnovers because the Warriors will feast on that and you do not want to give them transition opportunities where they can get any of their guys going. And this is where you need to take care of the ball and this is where Marcus Smart again becomes important. And then just read out what Cody put real quick. Put that put that spacey white style wall spoke upon with Sin Jalen not box out his man leading to guard ORBs, which can hurt a lot near JB locked in for 48 minutes. So that's more of a defensive point, but it, it still stands, right? Yeah. Now, when we're talking about ball handlers, we're talking about not giving up the rock. As you said, we're talking about JB, JT kind of minimizing their turnovers. That was the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. John said, well, what about Derek White? He could be an X factor. He played, he was great the last three games. Rob could be with his inside D. I feel Rob's health is more of the X factor. But this Derek White one, right? Like, I've seen this come up a few times today when people have been discussing X factors. And the reason I haven't put him down as an X factor is simply because I'm looking at somebody that's going to give you the points needed. Like, usually I don't look at points. You know me. I'm very much about impact, right? Mm-hmm. But coming into this series, I'm like, you need someone that's going to match Clay Thompson's point total or match Jordan Paul when Jordan Paul goes off. Because as much as you want to talk about Boston's defense right now, Golden State's offense is transcendent. There's a reason they're such a dangerous team. There's a reason this core's going back to what is it? Their six finals appearance as a core. Six. Uh, this will be what their sixth in eight years, I believe. Yeah, six and eight. There's Which a reason, insane. right? Yeah. They're transcendent on offense. So your defense, and you always hear good defense, better offense. And I feel like you get while the defense is always going to be the Celtics' calling card, and it's got them to the finals. It's figuring out how to match Golden State's offense. That's going to be integral and that's why i haven't got Derek white as an x factor because he is a facilitator but i do think that golden state if they do look to muddy the waters for the role players he's not really going to be able to make an imprint on these games in the same way as Jalen and jason 
So I would push back on that a little bit, just in the sense that, you know, I, I think you're right what you said about the the defensive side of it. And, you know, he, he's obviously he's going to be guarding Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, spend some time on, on Clay Thompson. You know, it's that's one of the benefits of the Celtics defense. They're just ultra switchable, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into here in, in a little bit. And he'll play a role on that end. But I do think Derek White's scoring is going to matter in this series. Like, I do think that at a certain point when even though they're going to let, you know, to a certain level, the Jays kind of eat and try to minimize what the the role players do. Like there are going to be times where there, as a defense, the Warriors are going to look at what can we sacrifice right now? And they're always going to choose. I'll take a Derek white jump shot or a Marcus smart jump shot over what potentially I may give up to, to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. And so when you look at the role players of the Celtics, this has been something that's, you know, not news. This is, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything that we haven't known is that some games for the Celtics, it's going to come down to does Derek White, does Grant Williams, does Al Horford, does Marcus Smart hit their open shots? Like there are certain parts of this series that are just going to resemble that. And I think Derek White is going to get a, a substantial amount of minutes in this series. I think, you know, from a defensive standpoint, that's, you know, it, it, that's what we've leaned on all year. And I think some of our best lineups, especially if Rob's not healthy, which I think all of our conversations today are probably going to come back in one way or another to whether or not Rob's healthy, because I think the best Rob, the best lineup is going to be that double big lineup, which is our normal starting lineup. But if Rob's not 100 percent, our next best lineup is going to be to go small without the five small in general, small ish, you know, with Derek White and Marcus Smart in the backcourt, the Jays and Al Horford. That's going to be your best lineup, in my opinion. You might be able to argue it's with Grant over Derek, but, you know, that that's kind of TBD. But I think that's going to be our best lineup. So I do think Derek White is going to be a, a bit of an X factor and need to be at, at least confident. Because that's what I always feel with Derek White. When he's confident on the offensive end, even if the shots aren't always going in, he is going to make an impact, whether that's through moving the ball, through assists. If he's taking the right shots and, and acting with confidence on that offensive end, he will make some form of impact. So I, I think he will actually play a pretty big role on that offensive side. You mentioned Robert Williams' health. And I agree. I do think there's a chance that Derek White makes up, just to wrap up what you were saying. I do think there's a chance, you know, where you said they're going to, you know, they're much rather going to allow Derek White to shoot than what they are Tatum and Brown. And that's fair. But I also think as a penetrator, Derek White's going to have a big impact. I just think that this series is so set up for offense first, in, mm -hmm. like at, to begin with, like Derek White is either going to sink or swim. Well, well, this is where you mentioned that you think Peyton Pritchard's going to have a big series. So I think this would speak to that point if, uh, you know, that's what I would assume, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I guess so. Like just sort of an outlet, a scoring outlet that isn't a star. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, I need to see it before I take a like, lot. I need to see a game between these two before I really take a choice of which role player has that X factor. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So we've got Joe here. Joe's saying, does Robert Williams play game one? I really wish I knew the answer for you, Joe. Uh, we spoke Same. about this on the last episode, right? And we were talking about like, you know, if Rob's not 100%, then it's probably better to give Rob the night off because, you know, it's a seven game series. 
you don't you only need to split the away games to begin the series so you know do, do you take rub and leave him out for an extra game so then you have that gap between game one and game two and he's had this big batch of time to let his body recover the downside is are you taking him out of rhythm by giving him such a big gap you know yeah. but like man if it, i could tell you if rob williams was gonna play i'd be i'd have the lottery numbers it, dude. i really wish and it kind of and part of it also comes down to what does that two day two extra days buy you you know what i mean like it, it, this series is more spread out so it does give more time for recovery which has seemed to be a problem with the inflammation of his surgically repaired knee you know so i i, I it, it's really tough like i think i would lean towards maybe sitting him out but my gut tells me that's not what's going to happen if there's no inflammation the day of i would 100% expect to see robert williams out there even if it's in a limited role like we saw in the miami series where they were kind of looked like they were aiming for that 15 to 20 minute mark for him out there um like i said i'm a I'll little bit more worried there. yeah like, like i said i'm a little bit more are questionable for game one okay um I'm, like i said i'm a little bit more concerned about robin this series i think last series it was more you know hey just don't let bam have any confidence in the paint and we just need you to kind of patrol the paint area here you're gonna have to be a little bit more active you're gonna have to be you know out in the perimeter a little bit more and then be you know also able to come from the weak side when the warriors who love to cut love to screen love to get to the lane as much as we talk about their three-point shots they get a lot of easy shots at the basket generated through draymond and the way that their offense flows and if you go back and watch some of the clips from their you know from their uh game earlier in the year especially the one in golden state that first half you know he's coming across from the weak side and erasing jordan Poole's shots at the rim and i don't know if that's the rob williams that that we're going to get and so you know that is a concern but then once again it gets back to sit him out for game one just to get the same results that you're going to get in game two of him being limited i don't know how much it's going to help to me it feels like that knee is just never going to be 100 percent or close to 100 percent until we get to the off season so my best guess is is that him being listed as questionable will happen throughout the entire series and it'll be kind of game to game, but most likely he'll play that 15 to 20 minute limited Rob Williams role. But you know, we'll have to see what it looks like come, come Thursday night. So the next question we've got, or it's kind of a comment from Greg, leave it, Greg, if I've butchered that, I do apologize. Leave it, 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 leave it. It's a very addictive to say um they're there which is boston they're not as physical no sorry it's the warriors they're not as physical as the books or heat our offense can flow a little bit more i'd agree there but i'd say they're probably more disruptive than both the books and heat like the milwaukee and miami disrupt you in a way where it's constant like there's no rhythm to the game there's foul after foul there's you know charge after charge but the people's bodies are just getting strewn across the floor like a, like you're re-watching 300 um you move on to the warriors they're not gonna body you up like that because they don't have the personnel to do so but they're gonna really like snap the passing lanes in transition they're gonna get there they're gonna tip loose balls i think they're somewhat like i think they're top five in deflections throughout the postseason they're a top like 14 of deflections through the regular season now whenever you look at regular season numbers for the warriors this year you need to remember they didn't have clay for like 30 40 games then the next 20 games with Clay was Clay just shaking off that rust of not playing for two years. Draymond was out for a long period of time. Steph missed multiple stretches of time. No Jonathan Wiseman. Kuminga and Moody were up and down from the G League. Like the Warriors didn't have continuity, but 
the Warriors team we know are super disruptive in terms of they like to cancel screens. They like, uh, which is where they just don't let you set the screen. They like to deter passing lanes in transition. They're not going to let you penetrate and get the kick out. And that's the type of disruptiveness that Golden State are going to throw at you. So I agree. The physical toll in this game, this series is not going to be on you, going to be like battered and bruised, but they're going to run you to where you feel like you're wearing lead shoes. Yeah. And Adam, I want to add on to a point that that you made in there real quick, just talking about, you know, the the health of these teams and the amount of games that they played. Obviously, we can talk about, you know, right now, the immediate sense that, you know, the Celtics are clearly more banged up than the Warriors. Their guys have been getting healthy over the last week. We've been fighting through a seven game series that, you know, you look back at one of those opportunities to really close it out in six and, and match that rest a little bit. You missed that. You had to go to that game seven. You know, guys are, are really hurting. But, you know, you brought up the point that, you know, Clay has been working himself back into shape after missing two and a half years. And you look at these last three NBA seasons, which have been, you know, just a weird, weird mix, obviously with COVID and everything mixed in. And I think, you know, it's basically, it's the, the math's not exact, but it's about three NBA seasons have been fit into what's usually about two years. And so in that time frame, Celtics have played 267 games. The Warriors have only played 237. They didn't go to the bubble. They didn't have to go through the, you know, the the playoffs that that we went through in the bubble. Then coming back that next year, they made the play in. They lost. We made the play in one. Played in an additional set of games there. We had JB's injury. But then in between, just having a 30 game difference over this condensed time frame, you think about, you know, like you said, Draymond and Steph barely played in 2019-20. Steph played five games. Draymond played it. I forget what the number was. I don't have it in front of me right now, but but didn't play much of that season either. So they basically got a season to recharge. They got almost an Al Horford, you know, gap year like he got in Oklahoma City. So they've had time to kind of recharge and they're much healthier coming into this. And that's one of my ultimately my biggest concerns is just do the Celtics run out of healthy bodies and stamina? Because it was, you know, it, it took a lot to get through that Bucks and get through that Heat series. And I've said this before, Jason Tatum talked about it just in the bubble, where when they lost to the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, part of that was how tough it was to get by the Raptors in that seven-game series right before that. So, you know, that's part of it for me when I look at where the Warriors might be able to take advantage of the Celtics. It's just purely from a health and stamina standpoint. And I think it's something that, you know, I think the Celtics, to win this series, it's going to go long. It's going to be another grinding series. But, you know, it's something that I think we definitely have to keep an eye on to see how it wears on them throughout the series. I think the other... Like, you know, when you're talking about health and longevity as well, the other thing to kind of realize is the Warriors aren't a young team. They have young pieces. Moody's young, you know, GP, GP2's young. Uh, who else is young there? Kaminga. Uh, Kaminga, Moody. Wiggins. Like, Wiggins youngish. Wiggins is youngish. Maple Jordan is how I like to refer to <laughs> Kevin Moody's um, actually younger than you would think, but I get your point, yeah. Younger than me, like most of these guys are younger than me. Oh yeah, Looney's definitely Looney's like twenty seven, I think. Yeah, he's younger than me. He's, he's younger, younger than, than you, think, you do, yeah. though. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Just I, 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 I think Al's one of the only guys that we're younger than. I think. I know. Yeah, I think he's the uh, maybe Draymond too. Maybe I'm not too sure. Um. Anyway, before we go down a self-deprecating road, um, where was I? Yeah. So I think age is going to factor in this as well. So we're talking 30 high level games, right? That's the disparity. Yeah. But the golden state core has far more miles on the clock. We talk about the finals experience that they've got and how that plays a huge part and it gives them an advantage 
but at the same time, they're also extra miles on the legs, extra miles on the body clock. And we don't know how Steph, how Clay, we definitely don't know how Clay is going to hold up yep. in a finals run. Because the difference is, while we're saying that, hey, you know, yeah, Golden State aren't as physical as Milwaukee or um, Miami, and they're going to muddy things up. There's no, they, like, Golden State hasn't faced the physicality that Boston are going to bring during their postseason run. And that, like, how they navigate their recoveries against this, like, this is a clash of styles. The Eastern Conference this year has been very brutal. The Eastern has been very much like a, you know, old school throwback, late 80s, early 90s, up to the noughties, bully drive basketball. I've been all the way here for it. There's just not enough dunks. That's all I'm saying. Um, the Western, so the Western Conference has been more finesse, more skill based, more pace and space. So we are seeing two very different basketball ideologies and they're going to go head to head. And I am curious whether Boston just kind of be like, yeah, we're just going to bully you guys. We're just going to beat you guys up and see how quickly you can recover because we know we can take the pounding. Can yeah. you? So I, I will say to that, so I was trying to figure out, you know, when, what's a recent example? Because like you said, Clay came back mid-season, so it's it's hard to pinpoint too much evidence of like this particular Warriors team with Poole in the mix, with Wiggins in the mix, and all those other pieces together. Like what can we really use as a model for, for how the Celtics might want to play? And so I actually looked to that Grizzly series a little bit, in which they won earlier 4-2. And I looked at it after John Morant went out. And they start and they went to a starting lineup of Steven Adams, Triple J, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, and Tyus Jones. So a very defensive, switchable lineup in which they have two bigs. And during that time, so they they should have won game four. They collapsed at the end. They won game five in that blowout fashion. And they forced the Warriors to bring back Kevon Looney into the starting lineup in game six, ultimately closed it out. And, you know, without John Morant, the, the talent disparity was going to be too much. But during that time frame, the pool party, as I, as I think they're being called, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. So over that three-game stretch in which Memphis went all in on their defensive versatility, the three of them shot 57 of 149. They shot 38, just over 38% from the field in those games. And so I think the Celtics are a more talented group than that five right there. They're a little, especially once again, with Rob's health, they're, they're a more talented group. They're a little bit more switchable. I think they're more two-way options, certainly, when you factor in the Jays. And so I think that could be something to look at for, for ways that they can maybe slow down this Warriors offensive attack. And it's going to be a defense similar to what the Memphis lineup was that was really the only speed bump that they've had in this postseason. And that was just dealing with, let's be honest, like Triple J is a little bit physical, but he's not ultra-physical. They would it was Steven Adams. You know what I mean? Brooks Steven is physical. Adams. Oh, Brooks just fouls everybody, but <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean Brooks is like I don't know if I'd class Brooks as physical or just kind of like like discombobulated. <laughs> Do you know what he's, I mean? He's like a he's like a like an overexcited baby deer getting his legs and <laughs> I don't know. I I've lost the analogy for, for Dylan Brooks, but I, I understand what you're trying to get at. I mean the best like the best Dylan Brooks impression Boston can give is Aaron Neesmith, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of what I was thinking of as as, as yeah. well. Like a more a slightly more refined, but he's out of control in the same Aaron Neesmith type way. Yeah, very much like you know. The only difference is Brooks can actually score a jump shot. Um, moving on, <laughs> <laughs> we got another, we got another one here. We got one from Jay 
polo 415 yeah j polo 415 on youtube uh i have to go back to work so first of all thank you for taking time to appreciate watch the show. you my guy. yeah appreciate you rocking with us um but why not throw some zone out there every now and again since we have the size and length for it i think that the zone gives you two things right it dares you to shoot freeze and it dares you to break into the middle you know if someone just it wants you to cut middle and then create from the nail or from the high post that's just saying to golden state play your brand of basketball as happily as you want to yeah like it's just there isn't a zone created yet that would work against golden state it'd have to be like a box on one that started at the half court and ended at the perimeter so you're just boxing out the entire even even then with their three-point shooters and the way they extend the court it's 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 gonna be so open in the in the middle and you know just the zone to me and i was listening to somebody who was talking about during the end of that i think it might have been zach Lowe, uh on at the end of that toronto warrior series when kd and clay were both hurt the warriors did go to a box one but that's only when it was steph curry playing with basically four non-shooters so unless we end up in a scenario like that it's going to be tough to make a zone work because of what Draymond can do if he gets the ball in the middle. Like, that's dangerous. And then you think about, you know, like you said, typically a zone tempts you into shooting threes that that you don't want to shoot. But I think if you have Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, there isn't a three that exists that those guys don't want to shoot or that they they can't shoot, to be honest. That's probably the better way of looking at it. And and also – it doesn't seem like that the zone is a way that the Celtics are, are going to go. I, I, I just, I, I can't really think of too many possessions, if any, they've played zone this postseason. And not saying that they wouldn't, because this is an interesting time where if you have something to bust out that you've been waiting for all year, maybe this is the time to do it. But um, I haven't seen it yet. So I, I'd have to see it before I could really believe that Ime is going to gonna go play a zone at, at some point in the series. So I, I wouldn't expect it. I would like a new episode of Game of Zones. I miss Game of Zones, man. Game of Zones was awesome. And I actually really loved it before it became like like incredibly popular and they could yeah. kind of get away with more stuff it, when it was like pretty niche. And you had to like tell people like, dude, have you seen Game of Zones? And not everybody knew about it. It was so good. And now all of a sudden it's just gone from our lives forever. It's so sad. It's, it's almost, I think I'm more sad that Game of Zones ended than actual Game of Thrones because of like, the way it ended. When they make good basketball like content like that, like I'm always sad when it ends because you don't know when the next one's coming. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you could be waiting until we're in our 70s. Uh, what have I got? The real X factor no one is talking about is Immy's way hotter than Steve Carr. <laughs> Let me put that up. <laughs> Uh, I agree with you on that, Cody. He added way, like like he's thought about this. He's tallied it up. He's like that's worth six points. He's done the tally. Like, uh, let's not get into that. Let's just leave that where it is. You know, like one day we'll bring uh, Neil Langan and we'll ask her who she prefers, and you know that'll wrap that up. Um, let's get another one from Twitter, man. Who we got on Twitter? All right, so I got one here. I want to make sure I get this correct. So let me pull it up here. But this is going to be one that's not necessarily a strategic question, but it's more of a, it's, it's a higher level question. So who's under the most pressure in the series? Steph Curry or Jason Tatum? And this comes from at Nin PlayStation. So who's under more pressure? Steph oh. Curry or Jason Tatum? You can go first. Okay. So I think, honestly, I could make a case either way that neither of them really have that much pressure. 
I, I really do. Because I think Steph already has, we know who Steph is, right? The one thing that Steph's missing is an NBA Finals MVP. But I, at the end of the day, I don't think it's that big of a deal when you factor in he has two actual MVPs to go along with the, the three championships that he has. This is his sixth appearance. You know, everything for him is just adding to his top 15, top 10 case, whatever it is. So, you know, I, I think you can, from a certain standpoint, say there's not really that much pressure. And then on Jason Tatum, he's 24. He's 24 years old in his first finals. Typically, most NBA superstars don't win their first finals until they're a little bit older, like 26, 27, 28 is typically when you see them win their first one. But if I'm going to answer this question, I I would say that the more pressure is on Jason Tatum. And the reason, the only reason I would say this is because Steph Curry has the resume. He already has all of his stuff locked up. Steph Curry could win or lose this ship, hang it up, and he's going to be a top 10 to 15 guy all time. Jason Tatum's just getting started. And we always think, you know, this is back to, we talked about this uh, on the last couple pods. Windows are never as big as you think they are, which is what makes the Warriors six appearances in eight years so astounding. And you never think they're as big as they are. Who would have ever thought that that Thunder team with Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, Jeff Green, like who would have ever thought that was the only time that team was going to make it to the finals? You would have thought, ah, they lost to LeBron. You know, makes sense. No problem. Um, Okay, they'll be back. Never happened. Never happened. So it's not guaranteed that despite you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, Rob Williams, an emerging Defensive Player of the Year candidate, you have these other guys that are all seemingly set up to be in contention for years. You never know. So when you're here, you have to take advantage and establish that as part of your legacy. So I'll say Tatum for that reason. Curry already has the established legacy. This is Tatum starting to build more, starting to build the foundation of what could be an all-time legacy, but you got to get that win to really start to cement your place. So I would say Tatum for that reason. But like I said, I could also make the case that there's not a ton of pressure on either, but where would you go with this question, Adam? So I'll kind of see things in the opposite way of you in terms of where the pressure's going. Like I think that it being, I think that age has to play a role here. So Steph Curry might have his championships locked in. You know, he no one's taken away from his resume. No one's questioning what he's achieved, um, how he altered the game. Like we know who he is. We know what he brought to the table, right? But how many more times is Steph going to get to the finals? How many more opportunities does he have to add more to what's already like a like a jaw-dropping, earth-shattering resume. I, you just don't know. He might never get back to the finals again after this season. He might get there for the next three years in a row. We just, you know, yeah. like. It, but I think that adds pressure to Steph because if he wants to, like, you know, he, you're going down as a Hall of Famer. You're going down as one of the greatest to ever do it. Definitely one of the, definitely, you know, like a top three guard to ever do it in my opinion, because yeah. you altered the way guards are viewed in the entire game of basketball. But if you don't win another chip, does that kind of, you know, does that knock you down a peg or two on people's list when they're looking at revision? It's history? a legacy series for Curry, yeah. no doubt. It's, a le- it's, it's you Whereas know, it's him. Tatum, sorry, go, go ahead. I was just saying, it, he, he's, his, for him, this series is him versus, not him versus the Celtics necessarily. It's him versus Magic Johnson, him versus Michael Jordan, him versus Oscar Robertson. Like that's the legacy series that, that Steph Curry's playing. Whereas Tatum, it's like, hey, if you lose, yeah, your window with this team might not be open for long, but your window as a 
top 10, top seven, top five talent, well, your window's open until you're in your mid thirties. So you're going to get back to the finals. Most likely, you know what I mean? You're in that caliber where teams will bring you and build around you with other stars. If that's the route you choose to take, I hope to God, it's not. I'm much rather, I prefer players that are, you know, the Damian Lillards, the Paul Pierce's, they're with mm-hmm. one team throughout. And I think Tatum's built in that mold, if I'm being quite honest. But Tatum will get another shot, you know what I mean? And that's why I don't think the pressure's on him as much. Plus, in my opinion, like, they had to go to the conference finals and lose a few times to make it to the finals. Do you know, do, do you get what I'm kind For of sure. getting at? So, yeah, he's, like, he's already taken several scars. So this isn't the first scar that he's taken. So he's already kind of built up some of some of what you think typically you know the guys that we talk about at 27 go through he's already gone through them he's at age age 24 he's he's had those battles and that's why i think the pressure's on steph more i think that's a fair argument so we've got jay polo 415 on youtube again i'm kind of i'm not brushing you off when i respond to this and i'll let will have his response as well Win or lose, I'm assuming the series, what would you change about this team and who you would want to see on this team realistically? Me personally would love Clarkson, and I'm assuming Jordan Clarkson, off the bench now. i got a goalkeeper that could work. Well, I appreciate you. Hope my, hope, hope my that. guy doesn't get fired on this. He keeps chiming in during work. <laughs> right. I'm not going to answer that simply because that's off-season content, and we're yeah. only a couple of weeks away from doing off-season content. You know what I mean? This is an all-year-round podcast, three times a week. We don't stop. So I'm not going to bleed into off-season talk until we're at the off-season. Um, as Will knows, I do have my list of people. Yeah, um, but and, and I'm with you because I mean, because that the that conversation, and I think it's a good question. Like, I, and I want to make sure that I acknowledge. I think it's a, it's a really good question. That conversation is 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 primarily built around what else does this team need to win a championship? Well, we're in the weeks where this is the weeks of winning a championship is right now. And this is one of the few times where I, for the most part, only want to live in this moment. Everything on this podcast is predicated around these next two, two and a half weeks, whatever, whatever it may be for this series to conclude. Because everything you talk about from who you draft, who you trade for, who you sign, all of it is built up for how do you build a championship team? Well, this team right now, 2021 2022 Celtics is in the NBA finals. So for now, this is the team that that I want to focus, but I do want to touch that question in a couple of weeks down the road after we get through this series, but it's just not the time for right now. So I'm going to pull another question up off our Instagram questions. Yeah. You know, the wonderful people over at IG, they're very friendly. I really, and I mean that genuinely like IG is just full of support and love or it has been since in my experience. And that is me taking a shot at Twitter. Yes. <laughs> um, let's have a look. How would a Celtic stop all-star starter Andrew Wiggins? This is by whois.joved. Please go over to celticsblog.com and look exactly at how you attack Andrew Wiggins in my deep dive. Uh, we'll go on the offensive end now. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the offensive end with Andrew Wiggins because I think everybody's a little bit like, yo, did you see that, that Andrew Wiggins dunk, bro? You know what I mean? Like top two dunk of the entire postseason. Wiggins can score from three, super athletic, got great bounce. How do you limit him getting downhill? Now, in my opinion, I'm not too worried about Warriors attacking the rim because Boston's 
defense is designed to take away your ability mm-hmm. to ta- attack the rim. They've got guys that rotate over from the weak side. They've got someone like Al Horford or Grant Williams that can step up a little bit, kill that driving lane, force you into getting off the ball. Maybe you have to drive through them and then you haven't got as much bounce because you haven't got the momentum behind you unless your name's Gary Payton and you're just going to jump from standing and land on the top of the rim um, because dude's got hops. Right. So like, but I think that Wiggins is one of those guys that he can explode off the mark as well. Right. Like his, his acceleration is ridiculously good. He can change speeds really fast, change directions really um, smoothly. Doesn't really have to shift his weight to move. That's going to be tough. Right. And I think it's going to be like, I think Jalen Brown gets smoked if he's asked to guard um, Wiggins off ball. On ball, I think Jalen Brown holds his own. Off ball, I think Wiggins can change direction too quick for Jalen Brown to keep up with. And I'd much rather test out like a Grant Williams that's going to knock him off his line. So Grant Williams is going to get beat off that first step, but Grant Williams is strong enough to kind of give you that little bump as he catches back up. Or someone like Derek White that is able to change directions quickly, can shift their weight, can stay low, can stay in front of you. Because the key to slowing down Wiggins is not letting him get you on his hip. Because once you're yeah. there, you're done. Yeah, you have to turn Wiggins into a jump shooter. I mean, he, he he's capable, but I, but that's that's got to be the poison that that you live with is is him taking jump shots, especially when you look at his teammates. But you said something I want to ask you about, Adam. That I think was was interesting in there. You know, you, you talk about JB guarding guarding Wiggins, and it made me think of JB's potential offensive uh, or excuse me defensive assignments in this series. Do you see him? Or what would you? Who do you see him guarding? And then I guess who do you prefer? Either way, you want to take it. Uh, you know, JB guarding Wiggins, which it sounds like you don't love that matchup, or JB guarding Clay. And the reason I think about this is is on ball. I, I have no problem with JB guarding basically anyone. You know, I have. I, I think JB is a a fine defender on the ball. You know, obviously against Giannis, it's tougher just because he's so big and huge. But there's no one in the series to worry about that. So I think on ball, I'm comfortable with him against anybody. It's that off ball where he occasionally has the the, the propensity to fall asleep a little bit yeah. and sometimes kind of ball watch. And so I do wonder if, if honestly, because Wiggins, yes, you have to worry about those back cuts and his athleticism, but with clay, like if that's maybe the other guy that we're thinking he might guard, I don't know if it's better that he's going to be, have to be focused cutting, getting through screens with him and he won't have a chance to really ball watch or, you know, clay is, is a master at finding the the seams to get open. And it's really slight movements, and you know it's it's incredible the stuff Clay does off ball to be able to get himself open. It's, it's why he can score you know sixty points with eleven dribbles or, or whatever the crazy stats are that he puts up. <laughs> so so who do you see being being JB's best matchup defensively with all this? I think it's going to be a bit of time on each, right? Like I mm-hmm. I think that usually throughout the regular season, I think that screen navigation has been an issue for JB. Like, I think he gets caught. Like, now, Andrew Wiggins gets caught up on screens defensively. I mean, real bad. Like, Tatum, sorry, Jalen Brown's not that bad at screen navigation, but I think sometimes he goes under when he should go over. Sometimes he'll try and shoot the gap when really he should just be going over. Like, he just tries to get there quickest way rather than going continually going over on shooters, which is, like, anything else is sacrilege. Um, and sometimes I feel like that's because he's fell asleep and now he's trying to make up ground as quick as possible. Uh, the, the thing with Clay is, as you say, Clay is shifty in terms of he'll fake you out with his eyes going one way, go the other. He'll drop his shoulder and, you know, he'll create slight pockets and his release is so quick that he's going to cook you for getting that, for like missing that pocket being created. The only 
the only upside is Clay is not as mobile, he's not as explosive off the ball. And I think that, you know, for a guy like JB, I think he gets cooked in the first game, might even get cooked in the second. By games three and four, I think he's got Clay figured out to a point where he's not getting, he's not losing track of him as often. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think mm-hmm. with Andrew Wiggins, like Jalen's ridiculously explosive, like incredibly athletic. But I just think that it, no matter how explosive and athletic Jalen is, if he falls to sleep on Wiggins and gets back cut, you're not catching him. If Wiggins drops his shoulder, gets you on his hip, Jalen's not a shot blocker. He's not a shot. He's not a, uh, a rim deterrent. He's going to get locked in on that hip and he's not going to get back around. And I just feel like Andrew Wiggins has the physical tools to take advantage of Jalen off ball more than what Clay Thompson does. Clay Thompson is more being cerebral. And when it comes to a, a thinking man's game, I kind of trust in JB to figure that out. Yeah, I, I think there can be arguments made both ways. I think that's what's the most fascinating sure. thing about this series. I think this series, like you said at the beginning, it's a clash of styles. But I, th- I think with the way that these rosters line up, you can be very interchangeable with the way that your style plays off the other team style. And so I think also because, like you said, our defense is made to deter those shots at the rim despite Andrew Wiggins elite athleticism, you might be able to get away with, with some of those cuts where, you know, maybe JB loses him or JB ends up on his hip because you have that backup in Rob and Al. Whereas to me, you know, I, I feel like while clay has been working his way back into, into form, he's closer to the offensive version of himself in the past than he is on the defensive side. So offensively, I'm, I'm, I'm more scared of, of clay going off because no matter what, you're always worried about Steph, right? Steph, Steph is gravity unto himself. And so clay is also gravity, but when, when clay's off, clay can be really off, you know, but if clay gets it going and you're worrying about, about Curry and then you have pool in the mix. Like there's part of me that, that is a little bit more worried about the upside clay may have if, if Jalen lets him get going because he falls asleep for a possession or two versus the damage. I think Wiggins would be able to do from an offensive perspective, but I think your argument's just as valid. And that that's, what's fascinating about this series is every, every point basically has a counterpoint to it of, you could see it from a different perspective. And, And that's where I think, you know, you said this earlier, we have to see game one. We, we kind of have to see game one to see where we're initially starting from because this is all theoretical right now. And and I think we're going to see versions of all of this throughout the series. This is the beauty of having two deserving teams in the NBA finals. It's such a good game. series. I'm Yo, so excited. Bro, it hasn't even I'm started so, yet. I, this is oh, like, I, I know I'm not supposed to say this for on a Celtics podcast, but the Warriors are my second favorite team in the NBA. They play a beautiful brand of basketball. I... I, every time I gravitate towards watching another team, like when I'm trying to, you know, try to check in on, on stuff around the league, I m- not more often than not, I default to watching a Warriors game because I want to see if Clay and Steph and now Jordan go off. I want to see, you know, if Wiggins throws down a crazy dunk, what Dray- what antics Draymond's up to or how crazy his defense is. Does he still have it? Like they're, they're a fascinating team. And I, and I think this matchup is just unbelievable. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be, no matter no matter who wins, it's going minimum six, most likely seven, and I think it's going to be absolutely fun all the way through. With that, first of all, what up to my boy Wayne Breezy up in the house showing some love, man. I appreciate you, Wayne, man. Uh, I'll holler at you tomorrow. Uh, we've got Jay Cruz in here. I think we can draw a lot of fouls on the Warriors if we attack the paint consistently. Completely with you, yeah. Jay. Um, 
You know, I think that goes back to that physicality again, those bully ball drives. Mm-hmm. Do um, they play loony or not play loony? Do they have yeah. a rim deterrent? Where You know, what, what does that look like? I think that's part of that as well. Do you get Al Horford working that low block going post up? Like there's going to be a lot there. You know, you reach, I teach type of basketball in the post. With that, We've kind of ran over the length of the usual show, but man, it's the final. It was fun. So it was fun. It I'm is. excited, man. I'm smiling. Dude, <laughs> man, I am hype. Like everybody that's been watching online, appreciate you. Thank you for rocking with us all the way through the season. Thank you for continuing to rock with us. Appreciate every last one of you. If you're listening on the podcast, you've been rocking with us since day one. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for joining in with the show. Everybody, man, we feel the love. Uh, we appreciate it massively. And we'll be back again after, I repeat, after game one of the NBA finals where we can talk about everything we learned. Until then, peace out, hombres and hombrinas. Let's go Celtics. Is that that the feminine for hombre, hombrina? It's uh, it's 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 definitely not. <laughs> it's definitely not. No. no, I'm and I should know this, but I'm blanking on it right now. <laughs> I'm, <bringing it. laughs> I'm just trying to be inclusive, dude. Right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Peace out, y'all.